Good to see everybody here tonight. We appreciate your presence very, very much. And um, glad you're able to come. And I know your days are busy. I've uh, got lots of things going on. Weather, weather's a little bit rough out there uh, a few minutes ago. I don't know, uh, maybe it'll be all right now, but uh, glad you're here. Glad you were able to make it. I know some of you uh, had loss of loved ones and having difficulties and so forth. And um, we're glad you're here and we hope that we can encourage and uh, lift up one another as we're serving the Lord. And uh, appreciate uh, the opportunity to be with the Smiths tonight uh, in their home. Appreciate their uh, hospitality. And uh, uh, TJ had a uh, whole list of questions he wanted to ask me. And uh, we talked about those things a little bit. We had a good time, though, and enjoyed being with them very, very much. Well, tonight we're going to talk about something that I, uh, I try to talk a little bit about uh, on Wednesday evenings of, of meetings. I think it's really, really important that we talk about what we share, the, the songs that were selected tonight, uh, uh, two really good selections, to discuss and talk about our relation one to the other. What I hope to demonstrate by the different colored people is the fact that we're all different. Um, a family that I knew that, um, that I know had like uh, 13 kids. And we were talking one day, I was, me and the dad, and I said, well, I, I've heard this. I've only had two children. I said, you've got 13. Uh, are they really all different? He said, yes. Well, every church I've ever been a part of, people are different. And it's hard. We're not talking about weird different. We're not talking about crazy different. We're just talking about we're just different people. So when you come together, there are going to be people that you're attracted to. There are going to be people you become friends with. There are going to be people that you just really don't have anything in common with at all. Although you do have a lot in common with them if they're brethren. But maybe they don't like Alabama football. Maybe they don't like Auburn football. Uh, maybe they don't like football at all. And uh, to be living in Alabama and not liking football, I mean, that, that, that's kind of weird, right? Um, so, but there are differences in people. People are different. This passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25, the same care for one another, is something that um, I think we really have to conscientiously think about. It's not something that just happens. You have to concentrate on that. You have to purposely try to do your best to understand, to appreciate, those that are different than you. So let's talk a little bit about that. So when we think about Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, this is a passage of scripture that uh, most usually is referenced when we want to talk about the local church and what the local church is made up of. Paul writes to uh, the Philippians and he says in verse 1, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. So what you have there, you have a list of saints, overseers, and deacons. So I'd like to ask you this question. Um, when we think about that, are each of these 
different categories of people, saints, overseers, and deacons, are each of those important? How would you answer that? Are they important? If I even was to ask you which one is more important, which one is most important, we might be tempted to say, well, overseers, that may be the most important. And I would really like to just, you know, lovingly say, I think that's incorrect. I think each one of those are just as important as any other. They're all important. Now, if you don't get anything else out of this lesson tonight, here's what I'd like you to get. Whoever you are as a member of this church, you are important to the Lord. And if you are important to the Lord, you should be important to me. That's the lesson. But it's going to take me 40 minutes to tell you that. So just strap up, put your seatbelt, sit up straight, here we go. So when we think about the idea of each individual Christian that makes up this church is important, that really sounds more like a kind of a, um, a psychological kind of sermon or lesson. And it really is. Because I'll tell you what I have found. I, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. But I'll tell you what I have found in local churches. There are a lot of people that think they're not important. There are a lot of Christians who think that they just aren't important. Now I think that's bad. And I don't really know all the reasons for that. Some of it may be a lack of trust in God. Some of it may be low self-esteem. Uh, again, I, I'd be whittling on the end of the stick that I'm not qualified to whittle on. But I know what the Bible teaches about us personally as in Christ. And when we think about that, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think that is the, the essence of the point that Paul was making in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27. Now I'm not going to take the time to read that passage. I'm just going to read a few verses, and I think you will recall hearing these verses before, and you'll understand my point. Notice in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12. He says, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We were all made to drink of the one Spirit. Now, is not Paul making the point that it doesn't make any difference whatsoever what nationality, what race, what color, how tall, how short, how fat, how skinny, how smart, how dumb. It doesn't make any difference about that. None whatsoever. He's saying all of us by the one spirit were baptized into the one body of Christ. Is he not talking about we're all important? Well, he says then, verse 14, For the body is not one member but many. For if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And he goes on and makes this argument <coughs> continually. So I think it's very, very important that we understand that the Holy Spirit took up a lot of Scripture 
to just make a simple point. And that point is, whether you're the hand, you're the foot, or you're the ear, or you're the eye, whatever you are, as far as in comparison to a physical body, you're important. Illustration. I'm from Kentucky, and yes, in Kentucky we go barefoot. Well, in Alabama, I found out a lot of Alabamians go barefooted too. So, you walk into the house, you don't have your shoes on, and you cut the corner a little bit too close, and the leg is sticking out on that table or that chair that is sitting there, and you get a little bit too close, and you hit that little bitty toe right into that leg, and it just, boom, sands it good. Now that hurts, doesn't it? Does that hurt? It hurt, in fact, it hurts so bad that you sit down, and while tears are coming from your eyes, you're looking at that little toe, and it's not very big, it's just a little toe. But man, you have mashed it good. And the whole body reacts to it. Your whole body reacts to that little toe hurting, right? And all the members come to its rescue. Your eyes are already watering. You know, you're just, the whole inside is like, ah! And your hands automatically go to your toe, and they start rubbing the toe with this, you know that the Bible talks about if one member hurts, if one member is happy? The idea is everyone's important and we are to function as one. So we can't really say, well, that little toe, I don't need that. Well, the next several days when you're walking around like this, because that little toe is all jammed up, how important is your little toe? Okay? No one Christian is any more important than any other Christian at this church. TJ preaches. That makes him a big shot. And all the rest of you are just little people. It's not true. But yet, I think we give in to that. And there are a lot of people that have that feeling. Try to make sure you, each member knows that they're important. Look at Philippians 2. Again, another passage that I think deals with this concept. Philippians chapter 2. We read a portion of this um, a lesson or two ago. Paul says, if therefore there's any encouragement of Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the Spirit, intent on one purpose, and do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Not merely looking out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, he's not saying that you consider yourself as, I'm not important. It's just the fact that of your mentality, you think so much of others that you give of self to help others. And that way you consider everybody else really, really important. Now, let's be honest with each other. There are some members that just don't get the attention. You know, there are children 
that are really, really bad. Do you know why? Because they want attention. There are members, I think, purposely, do bad things so they can get attention. Have you ever heard of brethren that fall through the cracks? Have you ever heard that expression? Now, if some brother or sister misses services for a good long while and they finally show back up and everyone just, you know, didn't even know they were gone. Well, that says a couple of things. One, it may say something about that person that they're gone for several services and nobody even knows they're gone. Maybe what they're contributing or not contributing to the local body. But also, it has to do with that we don't pay attention. I mean, if, if you just woke up one day and you didn't have your little toe, do you think at some point in time you would notice that? Maybe when you put on your socks, maybe you put on your shoes. I think when you notice when you walk, you, you kind of notice that. Right? So I doubt that you would go a long period of time and just, you know what? My little toe's gone. Where, where did it go? You follow me? Now, uh, my parents used to regularly say something to me like, um, well, you'd lose your head if it wasn't attached. You know, that I, 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 it kind of freaked me out when I was young. I thought, well, I might want to put one more of my heads up there. And I don't know where it's at. I've lost it. Do <laughs> you think if you woke up one morning and your head was not attached, do you think you'd notice that? Now, that's, that's hyperbole, right? Why do we miss people that are absent? Why do we miss members that are not here? Because in our own minds, we focus on those people that we deem important, and we don't focus on those people that are not important to us. But are they important to the Lord? That's the question. Now let's re rewind a little bit to when we're talking about the idea of our love for one another. How are we supposed to love one another? What did Jesus say? Even as I've loved you. So if Jesus really does love each and every person, then should I love each and every person? Yes. So then we have the same care for one another. Because of that love that Christ has for each and every one of us. <clears throat> well, each individual Christian here should be loving to each and every member here. So when I say loving, what do I mean? Well, biblical love, the idea of the agape love, uh, this sacrificial love. It's not if, it's not because, we talked about that. It's the idea of, I will show you kindnesses. I will, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, show you those different characteristics regardless of what you do or you do not do. I love you because that's the way God loves us. God still allows us to breathe and have sunshine and have rain even when we're not doing like we should be doing. He allows that. We should have the same care for one another. So, when we think about John 15 and verse 12, it's again repeated this idea that you love each other as I have loved you. So we keep that in mind. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, that 
characteristics of love, how, how love acts, is, 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 is extremely important to each and every person. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. When people come through that door and they come to this building, why are they coming here? Well, hopefully they're coming here first and primarily to praise, honor, worship God, right? That's, that's your first and primary thing that you, you should be concerned about. But when we come through that door, God has so designed church and Christianity, discipleship, as a community, as a family, as a group. And there's a reason for that. It's tough being what God wants you to be by your lonesome. You need encouragement. Sometimes we all need a little kick. Sometimes we need someone to say it's going to be okay. Sometimes we're harder on ourselves than God is. Sometimes we get down on ourselves. We know we're not doing as much as we should. Maybe we've done things we shouldn't. And it's not that we come together to coddle each other and to endorse our bad living. That's not the point at all. But you need to be able to feel like when you come through that door, you're coming into a place of comfort in the sense of, if I'm bad, then I'll get, I'll get encouraged to do right. If I'm doing good, I will get encouragement. Hey, you're doing great. Everybody needs that. I don't care who you are. You can be an extreme introvert. And you still need a pat on the back. Have you met those brethren? You give them a hug. They stand there like this. Their arms never move. But you go up and you give them a hug and you tell them you're proud of them and they just don't move. There are some people that don't want you to violate their space. Okay? But they want you to say something nice. They, they, they want some encouragement. Just don't touch me. Okay, there are people like Then there are people that if you go up to hug, I mean, they got arms and legs and everything. They're just wrapping around you. I mean, they just, they just love it. They eat it up. You know, they, 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 they want that. So there's all kinds of different people. So I've learned people that members where I worship, you know, no hugging, no touching. Okay, <laughs> don't do that. I'll encourage you from a distance. Love you. <laughs> then there are other people that are different. When you worship with people, you need to learn people. You need to be a people person. And you may be introverted, but you can do different. You can get outside of you and be what other people need. Because coming through those doors and coming to this place, people are looking for encouragement, help, not necessarily approval, but they want to feel like, man, I'm glad I came. And that's dependent on you. It's not just the preacher. We, we, lots of times we put it on the preacher. Well, people don't come because they don't like the preacher. That can be. That's usually not the problem. 
We don't need to gossip or slander or be a negative Nancy. There are some brethren that's just here to destroy other people. Now, if we all wanted to get up and maybe we just have a confessional night, we just end the sermon, sing the invitation song, have a closing <coughs> prayer, then we'll all just hang out, and then everybody will get up before the church, and everybody will tell this, this wonderful, slanderous, gossip, juicy, half-truths about everybody in this building. Do you think we could do that? Do you think all of us could get up and just say something ugly and nasty about everybody here? Absolutely. Now, wouldn't that be encouraging? Wouldn't that be pleasing to God? That we just tear up what we have? Well, no. That would be awful. But yet, right the opposite is what we're trying to do. To motivate, to encourage. Right? Take one of the classic passages. Hebrews 10, verse 25. What does it say? Not forsaking the assembly of the saints as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So much more you see in the day of Back up to verse 24. Read verse 25. Anybody in that text? Hebrews 10, verse 25. Anybody got verse 24? What does it say, Jim? And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Ah, we don't read that one much. Anybody know, uh, anybody familiar with uh, cows farming? Anybody familiar with that? Okay, all right. You ever, uh, are you familiar with what a cattle prod is? Okay, there are uh, different kinds of cattle prods. Uh, you can get non-electric ones that are just sharp sticks, you know, that you could Boost the whip, you don't go where you want to go. Then there's electric ones, you know, it you, you know. So the verse 24 seems to be the kind of concept that when you come together to serve the Lord, what do you do? Well, you find your seat, you sit down, and you just be quiet, don't say anything, and then when amen is said, you just, you're gone. No. When you come, you need to do what you can to motivate others to love and good works. And that might be coming up to someone and encouraging them. So when we're talking about the idea of gospel and slander, that, that is the opposite of that. You'd be discouraging someone, but rather to encourage someone. So we pursue peace with each member. Maybe there's people that, um, members of the, the same group, that maybe have had words about something. Maybe they, you know, just... My mother was the absolute worst at that. Uh, she, she just wore feelings on her sleeves, and it just it didn't make any difference who said what, why they said it, whatever. She would always take the negative of it. Always. And she would always have her feelings. And it didn't matter who she met, including her son. I could say something, you know, Meaning it just loving and kindly, and she would take it in a negative way. Did you learn people like that? They're just people that just regardless of what you say, they know what you meant. And you didn't mean good by that. I know what you meant. If you're around a group of people long enough, you're going to make somebody mad. 
If you're around a group of people long enough, you're going to step on their last nerve. It's going to happen. So how do you handle that? You need to pursue peace. Please remember. Try your best not to say the wrong thing. Try your best not to do the wrong thing. Now I've been in churches where, obviously, everybody had offended everyone. And you could cut the air with a knife. And everybody's walking around with eggshells. That's not good. But when you worship the Lord and you feel comfortable with the brethren and you feel like you're there to help others and others are there to help you, you feel like you've come uh, to a place of comfort and security. I think that's what God intends us to be. Being friendly and hospitable to all. If Laura has a party and she invites a few people. She can't invite everybody, but she only invites a few. You know, some people get feelings hurt because they weren't invited. That happens. Guys may have a get together and do something and they, they forgot to call a couple of the guys and the guys find out about it and then they got their feelings hurt. Things happen like that. So we really do have to be cognizant. We have to be aware we have to understand, and if you're dealing with a larger congregation, you've even got more of an issue because you've got so many more people that can fall through the cracks. You've got so many more people that, you know, I, I didn't think about them to invite them. You just can't have everybody at everything. So there's plenty of opportunities for you to get your feelings hurt. So we have to be able to pursue peace. We have to be able to be friendly and to be hospitable to all. My wife and I, have this conversation regularly. We think about our group and we think about, okay, who's not been in our house? Who do we need to have? And we're normal people too. Sometimes we'll come down to this and we'll say, so-and-so, we haven't had them. We say, man, they got some wild and crazy kids. We don't want to have them. You ever been there? Been there? Go out and smell some of your kids. Man, right in the house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, the reality of that is we have to learn to be able to have the same care for one another and not offend anyone, not hurt anyone. Be serving to each individual Christian here. What can you do to help them? We talked about that last night. Be a serving servant. So what exactly do you do when you serve someone? Provide what they need. Classic. Someone's going through a tough time. Maybe someone's had a funeral in their, home, in their family. So what do we say? We don't know what to say. What do you say to someone? I don't want to say the wrong thing. Maybe this is the most classic. Well, if you need anything, let us know. Well, it's nice to say that. 
But can't we get a little bit outside of that and just kind of think for ourselves? If I were in that situation and someone come up and say, is there anything I can do to help you? Whatever. Maybe you could just say, yeah, you could do this. Here's another thing. Lots of times when we're in difficulties or when we're in situations, we don't want people to help us. I think that's a general kind of reaction from a lot of people. We just really don't want anybody else in our business. <laughs> we, don't want, we don't have to deal with anybody. We need to learn to be able to allow others to help us. We have to learn to be able to help others. That's service. And it may be serving other Christians by allowing them to serve us. Think about that. In our country, we, we have a society that we can do it. We can do it. My little granddaughter, she's two. And she's already learned such verbiage as, I do it. I do it. It was at a ball game when the boys was playing baseball. And they've got a little wagon. And they've got all of their junk in there. And my daughter pulls this little wagon, and my granddaughter rides in the wagon. So she doesn't have to carry in all the other junk. Well, when it's time to go, the ball game's over, my daughter, she goes and gets the handle, and she pulls it forward. Well, here's little Savannah. She hadn't gotten in the wagon. She's up here in the front. You know what she's doing? She's grabbing that wagon arm. And she said, I do it. I do it. Well, she's not quite big enough to pull that wagon, but she thinks she is. You know, the reality of it is, if we were all more like that in the sense of willing to serve, willing to help, I do it. But ultimately, what Savannah also has to learn is that she needs to allow her mother to help too. And so my daughter says, okay, Savannah. So she picks her up and she puts her in the wagon and she pulls her. Now she pouts and cries for uh, a couple of minutes, you know, but finally she calms down and mom pulls her. I'm just saying there's a tug of war sometimes between those that want to help and those that need the help. We all need to be a little more giving in that circumstance. In Galatians 5 and verse 13, there's a passage that uh, I think is quite helpful to us. And Paul simply says it this way. He says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We don't do it grudgingly. We're not doing it because we have to. We're doing it because we want to. There's a difference. Here's an example. Valentine's Day. My wife, just a few days before Valentine's Day, says, now don't be getting me no flowers. She's a little bit tight. She doesn't want me to spend the money. And then she's, she's a little bit obsessed with this idea of flowers die, and then it's kind of a bummer to her. She just don't want to see flowers die. Do you know what I do? I get her flowers anyway. Let's get her flowers. 
And I'm pretty sure if I did not get her flowers, she'd be upset about that. Women are crazy, aren't they? Women are crazy. Yeah. You're not saying a word. You're afraid. Women are crazy. But you know what's important for us is to serve people not just what they need, but what would encourage them, <coughs> help motivate them to do for them. When I was in college, me and my uh, roommate, we were very poor. <laughs> We'd go to church and we would purposely stand around to the last person left out in the vestibule, hoping that somebody would invite us for lunch. Because you know, we were poor. We needed some help. And I guess a few of the brethren started catching on, you know, and so they would regularly ask us to go for lunch. That was great. We could get a free meal. That's okay. That, that, that was encouraging. And I think back, you know, it's, it's been 150 years since I was in college, but I still remember the people that took me out to eat. It was cool. It was great. Well, think about somebody that is never taken out to eat. Somebody in the church that doesn't have any friends, doesn't have any buddies, doesn't have any, doesn't have any kids the same age, so thing. Think about them. Serve one another. But that the members may have the same care one another. So I want you to ask yourself a question. Do I have the same care for each and every member of this church? Yes or no? Be submissive to God, first and primarily. We talked about that earlier, right? Being submissive to God, pleasing God. To your elders. Now, I... I you, don't have a, you don't have elders. Okay. Well, if you had elders, you'd be submissive to them, right? The Bible teaches that. But this is one that we probably haven't thought a lot about. And that is, in Ephesians 5, verse 21, we're to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. What does the word subject mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means the same as it does to God and to your elders. It means to obey. Now think about that. Why should I obey you? Why should you obey me? Is the fact that we are serving servants. And what do servants do? Obey. Right? So if I'm looking to you and I'm going to be a serving servant to you, then I obey you. Well, where's the command? I see the need. In the greatest, and there may be somebody here that's a waiter or waitress or something, but aren't the greatest waiters or waitresses at a restaurant the ones that you don't see or hear? But your key glass is always filled up. You always have plenty of napkins. You always get just a step or two ahead of when you need it. They've already supplied it. Then there's the other who are not good waiters or waitresses. You asked for napkins 30 minutes ago. You need a tea refill 10 minutes ago. And you're still not going to get it. And you're bummed out, right? And then you go through the middle of gymnastics, but do I leave this person to do? What do you think? Well, they didn't do anything to deserve to. Maybe they never show back up. So, 
What kind of Christian are you? A submissive, serving, serving others to obey in the sense of giving to their needs? Or not? I think that's what the passage is talking about. Well, when we think about each member, we need to be working. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16, and I'll just briefly mention the fact that this is, this is a great text just to spend a little bit of time uh, working through it. I want to read just a few verses here. He talks about in verse 11 that he gave some as apostles, some as uh, prophets, uh, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service. I really like that phrase there, for the work of service. That is a good way to categorize the church. It's a work of service. That's what it's all about. Everything that you do. And then he talks about to the building up of the body of Christ. Responsibility of Lacey Springs Church is to build up the body. That's your job. He says until we all attain to the unity of the faith. If you've ever been on a ball team, football, baseball, basketball, whatever it is, you've got to get all the players on the same page. They've got to, they got to do their job. So I, I, I'll show you why this is, is important to this text in a sec. But as a member of this church, do you have a job? What is your responsibility to this church? You know, a family becomes very dysfunctional when there's only like one out of five or six people that live in that house that does anything. Everyone needs to be a part. Same thing with the church. Everybody needs to have their part. Um, when I was preaching at Jordan Park, uh, church there got pretty big. And um, I talked to the elders about it, and they thought it was cool to go with it. And uh, so kind of a, a theme for the church was that if you gripe, complain about anything, the elders would give you a job to fix it. Okay? So that really cut down on the gripe and complaining. And, um, and if you don't have a job, the elders are going to give you a job. You know, whether it's just, you know, opening the building, or if it's fixing the Lord's Supper table, or, you know, whatever it is. You know? You need to have something to do. Now look at this text and see if that's not true. In this text, the reading goes on, verse 13 again, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and to the knowledge of the Son of God, and to the mature man. Our goal is to reach this mature man status. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Uh, Families have a, a, a door or a part of a wall here, and they have, you know, our kid was this tall when they were three, and they're this tall when they were 11. You know, you have that kind of deal. Well, here, you kind of look at the wall here, and here's where Christ is. This is how tall Christ is. Okay, now we're trying to measure ourselves up, and we're supposed to grow to this maturity stature to where to the fullness of Christ. That's the verbiage that's used there. But then he says, verse 14, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head even Christ. In other words, we spiritually mature in such a way that we're not babies handling the book of Romans. 
We become mature people of God handling the book of Romans. You grow, you mature, you become stronger. Then he says, verse 16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. Did you get that? What every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. There's some powerful words there, brethren. The powerful idea is, is that each and every person has a work to do and this body will only be as strong as each and every member does its work. I've played on football teams. I've played on ball teams. And, you know, you have weak links. That was usually me. <laughs> and you, you try to, to improve. You try to do your job better so that you can work together more cohesively and, and accomplish what you're trying to do. Make a touchdown or keep the other team from scoring. You know, that, that sort of thing. What is our job? We're trying to glorify God, right? Do your part. We're trying to uh, save the world. Do your part. We're trying to encourage people to get to heaven. Do your part. And if you're constantly just sitting here griping and moaning and complaining, you're not doing anything that's helpful. If we could just get brethren to understand that, the growth of a local church doesn't have to do with a preacher only. There have been situations where preachers have just messed up the whole deal. I got that. Fire that's usually not the problem. That's usually a scapegoat. The problem is, brethren aren't working. So, this passage is a great encouragement of all of us doing our part. Each of you as members of this church are very important to the growth and the faithfulness of this church. If this church doesn't grow physically, spiritually, mentally, numerically, etc., etc., Whose fault is it? Let's look in the mirror first. My wife's a big Michael Jackson fan. I'm sorry. He's a big Michael Jackson fan. And she was listening to one of his songs and the man in the mirror. So I got to listen to that song. I thought, wow. That was actually some pretty good ones. If Lexi Spring is not what it ought to be, look in the mirror. Don't point the finger at other people. Look in the mirror. That's the point. That's the point of Ephesians 4. Be zealous. Titus 2, verse 14. We are a people, peculiar people, a special people, zealous of good works. The, the word zealous is enthusiasm. It's excitement. I'm not saying we should come in here and start jumping over the pews or whatever. I saw this YouTube video one time. This is wild and crazy. Some of the men were getting up, taking off their jackets, and they were running around the whole building. They were pulling, twirling their, their jackets. And up front, there was a guy that was getting ready to baptize someone. <laughs> and, and this one guy gets up during that process, and he's running around the building, and he's taking his coat like this, and he gets about right here, and he must have been a pretty good athlete. He just, about right here, 
He just jumped and he jumped in the baptistry with the preacher and whoever's getting baptized. And it just splashed. Now I'm telling you what, that's exciting. That's a lot of zeal. That's exactly what I'm not talking about. <laughs> We're not talking about that. But we are talking about the idea of act like you want to be here. I teach 15, 16 year old kids every day. And most all of them act like they don't want to be here. So I'm constantly trying to get some kind of prod, goose them a little bit, or get them excited about something. I feel like I'm trying to raise the dead sometimes. But you know what? You are the one that controls how you feel and your emotions. However you need to get to the point that it is a blessing and a privilege to be here. And you are not here because you have to be. Is something that goes on between your ears. Act like you enjoy being here. When you sing, sing out. Why is it that people that cannot carry a tune in a bucket, if you know anything about music, you know what that means. Why is it that people can't carry a tune in a bucket are the ones that sing the loudest? Why is that? I don't know. Do you know what? That used to just irritate me no end. A woman trying to take alto lead, and she didn't know alto from also. <laughs> she didn't know anything. She didn't even know what note or what key he's in. Do you know what? That's not important. She was singing out from her heart. She was her rhythm. You know, if you're happy to be here when we sing, you're going to let her rip. You may not know if you're singing tenor or bass or whatever. Doesn't matter. Sing out from your heart. That's what I love about being an actor. I don't know who talked them, why they sing this way. Those people over there, if you ever get a chance to see any of these brethren you're supporting and so forth, um, get some, some of the videos, or have the preacher send the videos of their singing and stuff. These guys, I mean, they get in, I think they're going to bust a lung at some point. They really get into it. They sing. Why can't we do that? Well, we don't want to appear to be, you know, uh, denominational. Rather, we have allowed denominationalism to steal our seed and our worship services. We sit here sometimes very pathetically, like we don't have an emotion in our bone. And yeah, I'm not saying we need to jump over the cubes. We do need to have some seed. Encourage others. And I tell you what, zeal is contagious. So is being lethargic. Both are contagious. Be praying for this church. Philippians 4 and verse 6. Paul wants us to pray to God about everything. You pray about spiritual growth. You pray about numerical growth. You pray about monetary growth. For each member, pray for them. Just take the time sometime to go through all the epistles of Paul and just write down how many times he says, I pray for you, I make mention of you, all the time. 
that if Paul does all that he said he did, and I'm not saying he didn't, he was one praying disciple. Mentioning a lot of people all of the time. Do you pray for this church? Do you pray for each member? You should. I'd encourage you to do that. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up, and going on in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. The increase that you may experience in this church may not be numbers. It may not be monetary. It may be spiritual. You go to the gym... And if you go one time and you lift the barbells one time, they're going to do much good. You keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Eventually, people will like me. Right? Spiritually speaking, you got to keep working it. Keep working it. Keep working it. Keep working it. It's a slow process. It can get discouraging. And it hurts. But at some point in time, it kicks in. And spiritually, you start to grow. And when you spiritually start to grow, God causes all the other increase. Do your part. Treat one another. Well, it's 8 o'clock high. Time to quit. Thank you all very much for listening. Did you get the point that I said you're very important to the Lord. Did y'all get that? Y'all got that, right? Did y'all write that down? Write that down. You're also very important to this church. Don't ever allow anyone to get by with saying or thinking that they're not important. They are. But are you doing your part for the growth of this church? If you really care about this church, you do your part. Thank you for listening. Song of Encouragement is selected, I think, number 644. My brother's going to come and lead that song. And there might be someone here tonight who's not a Christian. If you've not been on board, you're not a part of this family, the family of God, you need to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ and become a part of that even tonight. If you are a part, but you're really not a part, you need to make up your mind. Either you're for God or you're against People, this church needs you. God needs you. Get in there and do your best. Once you come, Mr. Sanderson.